0: Turn with me, with me to Matthew chapter 6 and then stand. We're going to read some scripture together. Matthew chapter 6. And this was a, the scripture we read last week as well, but we're reading it again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say it to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow, nor weep, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself, each day has enough trouble of its own. Lord, bless your word, multiply it to our hearts, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. As I've um, been working through this series, I, I truly believe that, that for, for some of us, as we consider the habits and the routines of life, these may be some of the most important sermons that you'll hear. Uh, because I really believe that, that as we examine our habits and we consider our habits and our routines, we, we can find either life or, or death. And so I, I think it's important that we answer this question, are you shaping your habits or are your habits shaping you? In other words, when you, you look at the routine, the, the habits of your life, are these, are these things that you're controlling or are these habits controlling you? Are they determining the course of your life? And it's important that as we understand this that we're not passive in the consideration of our habits and our routines. Because habits and routines are important because habits shape life. The, the habits and the routines. What you did this morning has an effect on the rest of your day and what you plan on doing every morning has an effect on what you do every day there's a book i read several years ago called desiring the kingdom by james smith and he's a contemporary theologian and he said this he said we're primarily motivated by what by what we desire and love And we spend a great deal of time trying to shape how people think. He says but most people's actions are shaped not by information, but what they perceive as desirable or important or something that they love. And this is what motivates behavior. What we see as something that we want or something that we love. With that in mind, he says, the goal of Christian education must be to shape us to be a certain kind of people whose hearts and passions are desired and desires are aimed at the kingdom of God. And and, and what we do in, on a Sunday morning, what you do in your Sunday school class, but, but, but partly of... A, a, big part of what we do on Sunday mornings is, is Christian education. We're, we're trying to educate you and give information that it can allow you to serve God. And he's saying we're trying to shape the hearts and the passions towards the kingdom. And I think we all understand that. The, the truth of the matter is probably no one in this room needs more information. <laughs> we, get, we have enough information, right? It, it's bringing meaning to. ...to that information. It's bringing context to that information. It's, it's allowing ourselves to imagine what walking with God might be like. What, what the kingdom might bring into my life. If somehow I can begin to imagine what I would experience... ...and it becomes something that's worthy in my mind... ...if I fully devoted myself to the kingdom of God and following Jesus that habits and routines matter. That the habits of life matter. And and, and James Smith says this, our desires are shaped and molded by the habit-forming practices in which we participate. In other words, those habits and those routines of life go a great deal to shaping what you think is worthwhile, what I think is worthwhile. Your habits and your routines go a, a great way to, to shaping what we love, what we think is desirable. And so if you put this all together, we, we, we can put it together like this. Our habits shape our desires, The routines of life shape our desires and what we desire drives our actions. In other words, these habits are not just innocent bystanders in our life, but they're shaping us into a certain kind of people and they're shaping what we think is important and they're shaping what we value and these values and these desires are what drives our actions. So we have to consider... The, the habits of life, and and what habits are we placing in our life, and how are these habits affecting us? As I've thought about this series, there's we're going to talk about several different habits, and 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 I think this one that we're going to talk about this this week, it's it's the habit of seeking God first. I think when, when we consider the ideal of habits, if we get this habit right, if this is the habit. That, that is primary. If we have the habit of seeking God first in our life, all of the other habits fall into line. So somehow, if we can get this part right, when we get to the other habits, and, and there's more habits, but, but as we get to the other habits, it'll be a lot easier if this is in place first. This habit of seeking God first. Now Matthew 6, I believe, gives us a, a kind of a, a, a good image or a great image of, of, of what it means to seek God first and, and, and what commonly we see uh, happening in, in many's life. Matthew 6, uh, 19 through 21, talks about what we value and, and how what we value drives our action, what we desire uh, our, we'll follow our heart, you know. And if, if we're consumed with with finances, if we're consumed with money and all those things and, and material things, this will drive our action. Then verses twenty two through twenty three talks about the eye, and it's interesting language. But but when he's talking about the eye, he's talking about the heart. And Jesus is using the eye as an example or an analogy of the heart. He says. He's talking about what we desire and what we see and, and how it drives our actions. John Stopp, who is a, um, a commentary writer, says this. Just as our eye affects our whole body, so are our ambition, where we fix our eyes and heart, affects our whole life. In other words, what we desire drives us. And Jesus is using the, the, the image of the eye to help us understand that. And then verse 24, he can, continues the same concept. You, you can't serve two masters. Either you're going to serve your material desires or you're going to serve God. And, and don't ever think for a, for a second. See, I, I, I don't believe any, anybody goes through this life without serving something. <laughs> the, the great theologian, Bob Dylan... <laughs> Uh, for a while sang Christian songs and, and Bob Dylan had a song, you're going to serve somebody. If Bob Dylan understands that, we should understand that, right? You're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve something. And, and Jesus is saying you can't serve all these materialistic things and serve God at the same time. And then verses 25 through 32 he continues, Jesus continues to address this desire for material things, this obsession with material things. And and, and I I think about first century Palestine. (laughs) Uh, I don't think they had super malls in first century Palestine. And and if the people of Jesus' age were obsessed with material things, how much more our age This scripture, Jesus could be speaking to us, right? (laughs) If there's a more materialistic time in history, I don't know when it is. Say, yeah, those people out there are pretty materialistic. Folks in the church, we can be pretty materialistic. Let me ask you this, and when I get sick, I get really mean, so this is kind of a mean, guilt-stricken question, I guess. Did you spend more time this morning... Thinking about what you were going to wear to church, what you were going to do this afternoon, what you were going to eat for lunch, than you did about what God was going to do in this service? Let me ask you, did you spend more time in front of your closet deciding what was going to look good, or did you spend more time praying, God, what do you want to do in my life in this service? You know, I would rather you come disheveled and, and your clothes dirty. Not thinking about your, what you were wearing if you came in this place after two or three hours considering what God was going to do in this place. Don't you think that would have more value? <laughs> you guys are getting quiet. It's true though, isn't it? In our age, if you were to look back, not just today, but the past week, we've probably spent far more time worrying about material things than the things of God. We've probably worried more about 401Ks. I've probably worried more about a stupid house. That's what my house, if you don't know, that's what my house in Hamilton's called because it won't sell, is it, it that stupid house, than the things of God. And Jesus is saying, you know, if, if, your, if your mind is constantly on these things, it's just as if you're serving him. But, but Jesus gives a prescription here. And it's, it's in verse 25. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. You know what I like about what Jesus is saying here? Jesus doesn't say, all right, I want you by the force of your will to change your desires. Jesus doesn't give a heart instruction. He gives a very practical instruction in response to the heart issue. Your heart is out of whack, and to get your heart in whack, what you need to do is develop a habit, a routine, a procedure, a method. You need to seek God. You need to find God. You need to look for God in your life. Don't, it's not about, the first thing's not about changing the desire of your heart. It's about changing the trajectory and what you are seeking in your life. And then he says all these other things will be added. Now, is Jesus saying, well, if we're consistent in our Bible study and prayer life, we'll get every material thing we want. <laughs> Man, if that was true, people would be reading the Bible like crazy, weren't they? No, we don't believe that, do we? Jesus is talking about something different. Jesus is saying, what we seek shapes. Can we say it that way? Say it with me. What we seek shapes. And Jesus is acknowledging this principle in our life that if all we're seeking is material things, then this will become the desire of our hearts and this will be the most important thing in our life. But if we're seeking the things of God, then the things of God become the most important thing in our life. What you seek shapes. And so the habit of seeking God first allows God to, to shape, to reshape, to reform, to transform the desires of my heart. You know, as we as we seek God, this amazing transformation can occur in our life and and, and our desires. And those of you who've served God a long time can attest to this. As we serve God and we seek God, God changes the desires of our heart and gives us different motives and different things that we value. You see this throughout Scripture. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27 says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinance. In other words, God said, in the future, I'm going I'm to change your heart. I'm going to change what you're desiring, what's motivating you. My life first, of course, is Romans 12:1 through2, and I probably hardly go a sermon without wanting to put it in, but in Romans 12:1 and 2 Paul writes, "Therefore I urge you brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship." And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, Paul's saying, you know, give your whole life to God. Seek God with your entire life and check and see whether God will just transform the whole way you think, everything you want, what you desire. The psalmist says this, Delight yourself the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart it's a pretty good promise seek God delight in God follow God desire the kingdom seek him with all your heart and God can do an action within us he can change us from the inside out it's as if seeking can lead to desiring so what's it mean to seek God first? And, you know, it's not simply about having Bible study and prayer first thing in the, the morning. It's, it's not about daily obligations necessarily or time. It's, it's not, it doesn't start and end there, although I believe that's part of it. And we're talking about habits. Study and prayer, folks, and, and hear me. Bible study and prayer is the means, not the end. See, Bible study and the prayer is the means by which we encounter this living God who is present with you wherever you are. God will be with you wherever you find yourself this week. And that is why we can pray without ceasing and we can sense his presence wherever we are. And prayer and Bible study is that tool, that habit, that routine that puts us in his presence and allows us to be aware of him at all times. It's a means, not the end. The, the, the end is this connection with God, and it, it's, it's, it's as if God is with us everywhere all the time, and he, he is, and, and the end is not just the study, but the connection. T- to seek God first is to say that the God is the priority of my life. He is the reason that I'm alive. He's the reason that I'm here. He's the purpose of my life. He's my future. He's my past. He's my present. He's every aspect of my life. God is the priority of my life. But can we be honest enough to say truthfully, even though we would say that at all times, if someone were to look at the routines of our life, they would say, well, God's just a passing thought. He's just a Sunday morning activity. He's just a Wednesday night prayer meeting. God's just an occasional diversion. Isn't it true? I, I know it's been true in my life that at times we get up and we hit, we, our, our feet hit the ground and we're running from the moment we get out of bed until we get back into the bed and then we fall asleep and, and hardly once has the thought of God crossed our mind. It's as if we're so busy, we miss what the purpose, what we say the purpose of our life should be. I saw this video. And I think this illustrates it pretty perfect. Meryl, could you play that real quick? This is a bank robbery. I don't know if it's real or not, but I think it illustrates our life. They missed the whole purpose of the call. They ran right, right by it. And oftentimes, folks, we do the same thing. We run right by God to get to our life, and at the end of it, we're standing around dazed and confused, wondering what just happened. See, I think it's our routines, our our habits, and, and, and when we have the correct habits and the correct routines, they, they help us not to miss the point, to not miss the reason. See, habits establish priorities. They, they set our priorities. And, you know, we, we can think about it very easily in our physical life. If, if the point of your life is to get in good physical shape, then the habit of exercise establishes the point. Well, spiritual disciplines in our life, and, and the habit of spiritual disciplines in our life establish what we say is our priority. And if God is the priority of our life, then these routines and these habits help establish that priority. Now, now there's all sorts of, of, of spiritual disciplines, and our, our focus this morning will be on, on regular prayer and Bible study, because I think this is central. Prayer and Bible study is central to being a believer. As a matter of fact, some Christian writers will say that, that to say you're a Christian and not be praying is the same as saying you're a human and you're not breathing, <laughs> You can't be alive in Christ unless you're, you, you have a prayer life of some type and, and time in his word. I, I think they're central. If we want to be followers of Jesus Christ, I think it goes without saying that we spend time in the word and we spend time in prayer. And, and I'm not trying to lay any guilt trip on you, but, but, but I want you to understand this morning, if you're trying to serve God and there's no prayer and there's no study of God's word, it's impossible and you're and you're if you're doing it without these central tools, then then you're frustrated and you're living less than what God wants you to live. We can't just do it on a Sunday morning or in a Sunday school class. We we need private times in prayer in the Word. These are primary, but there's other. Tools and other spiritual disciplines and, and so what I instead of trying to preach through all those what I did is I put in your resource in your handout uh, there are several books that that I personally read that, that are good books that provide uh, additional tools celebration of discipline um, uh, up the upward call um, the life you've always wanted. These are all spiritual formation books, books that provide uh, just examples and tell you uh, different spiritual discipline tools. Also, uh, any of your staff is willing to meet with you. As a matter of fact, I think Pastor Joe Case has a master's from Northwest University, Northwest Nazarene University, on spiritual formation. And I, any of us would be willing to meet with you at any time and talk to you about spiritual disciplines you can incorporate in your life, things that will help you grow closer to Jesus. That's the point. Right? <laughs> right? We want to get closer to Jesus. I mean, we're not just coming in here because we don't have anything else to do on a Sunday morning. I, I, I hope that, that that we're all here because we want to grow closer to Jesus. And if you're struggling, see me. See Pastor Christy. See Pastor Josh, Pastor, Pastor Kim, Pastor Joe, and we'll meet with you and we'll help you. You know, I, I, when you go to the gym, you, you meet with a trainer. Anybody go to, to a gym and you meet with a trainer and they give you a, a, a physical... Course of, of action. I think the church should be like that, don't you? <laughs> and, and it can be. Just come to us and, and we'll help you and, and we'll give you suggestions and, and we'll talk to you about ways that you can grow closer, closer to Jesus. So, but, but prayer and Bible study is the one we're going to talk about today. And uh, to, to begin just the last part of this sermon to seek God first, we need to establish regular habits. Of prayer and Bible study, it needs to be something that is routine and habitual in our life. Every day there should be prayer and Bible study, and and the question is when. And I gotta tell you, it just as I've worked through this sermon, God's kind of been working on me because I'm an early morning person. Uh, I I like to read and do my Bible study and pray in the morning. I like to come in the office as much as I can and do that first thing. You know, I I have the great privilege of being a pastor. I I know all of in here don't don't have that privilege, so I come to my office, shut my door, and start reading my Bible, and I'm working, all right? And and so that's that great privilege, and I enjoy, and I I seem to get the most out of it in the morning. And, And I know there's people, oh, it's afternoon or it's evening, and I want to suggest that perhaps the win is not just one time but several times if we want to grow as close to God as he wants us to. And I want you just to hear me this morning. There's some reasons why I believe that this should be situated throughout the day. And I'm preaching, like I say, to myself as well because there's habits I have to incorporate to accomplish this. See, I, I think... Throughout the day, morning and in the middle and the end is important. Now, praying in this way and and praying uh, more than one time and being in the Word more than one time throughout the day is supported by Scripture. It, It is supported by church tradition. And, and modern scientific findings support setting regular times for prayer and Bible reading throughout the day. If you look through the Bible now, that the Bible never says, okay, here are the times of prayer. But when you read through the scripture, you often find different times as being significant in prayer time. So much so, even though the, the, the law of the Levites did not command specific times, the early Jews did command additional times and significant times and we find the new testament christians following the same pattern of praying early in the morning and then around noon and then the evening time and these patterns of prayer were part of their life what We find it throughout church history and, and other denominations who are more liturgical have these significant, specific times of prayer and Bible reading. We, we find scientific studies even suggest that we learn in different ways at different parts of our day. And that somehow there, there's a... There's a a difference when you read the Bible at noon than at 6 a.m. and when you read it at 9 p.m. And and somehow the truths can be incorporated in different ways in those times. So I wrote these little simple things this morning, but I think they're true. Early prayer and scripture sets direction. I I think as we pray early in the morning, and and I know some of you are saying, "Well, Pastor, I'm not a morning person. You know, I, I'm a grouch in the morning. Well, maybe early prayer in Scripture would help, okay? But it sets the direction, the trajectory of our day. And, 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 and I guess the first question I have to ask is what's your habit in the morning? Now, the psalmist in 63, 1 says, Early will I seek you, O Lord. So we have a lot of Scripture that talks about seeking God first thing in the morning, but, but what's your habit? How do you get up how what do you do when you wake up i mean do, do do you hit the snooze button? who hits the snooze button more than three times? Raise your hand yeah it's hard to get out of bed for some people I understand that but but do when you hit the ground are you going is it Is it like this frantic rat race? Are you getting kids on the bus and and then you're running and you' you're grabbing a bite and you're you're drinking coffee and you're you know you're you're zooming through traffic Of course you're not speeding right? You know, I, I understand. I, I'm not so far away from families with little kids. I mean, I've been there, done that, not going back. <laughs> uh, but, but I understand how it can be so frantic in the morning that, that it seems almost impossible. And you know, folks, there's resources that are available even for people who struggle in the early mornings. Uh, you can have a devotional emailed to you directly to your smartphone if you've got a smartphone. You you can get the Bible on CD or on 8-track tape if that's still in your car and listen to it while you're driving to work. You you can listen to sermons on podcast in your car. There's all sorts of ways that that you can carve out even a little bit of space. So what is your habit of the morning? Can can it be altered? Can, Can you get up 10 minutes 15 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes earlier is is there any way that you can carve some additional space is there time in the car is there time after the kids are on the bus is there time somewhere that you can claim for a habit of prayer and bible study i think prayer and scripture in the middle of the day grants perspective and I got to tell you, it's oftentimes not the beginning of the day or the end of the day that I need the most perspective, but the middle of the day. When things seem to be going not according to plan. And, and once again, I'm blessed. I understand. You know, I can still say this. I can't say this too, too much longer. I was a layman longer than I've been a pastor. And I understand, you know, I'm standing up here as a pastor, and, and, and Pastor Josh, we can come in the office and close our doors and start reading the Bible, and nobody will look funny at us. But if you did that at work, right? They'd say, well, don't you have work to be doing? I understand. But, but I also have the perspective of a lay person in that there were times in my day that I could have chosen to read the Word and pray. There were breaks. There were naturally occurring breaks. Not a lot of time, but, but there was time. When, when I practiced law, I'd go to a hearing, and I would, I, there would be times where the preparation was done. It was done. I was ready, and it was time to go in, and I'd have, they weren't calling on time, so I'd have 15 or 20 minutes. You know what I did? I just prepared more, Right? <laughs> I didn't need to prepare more. I was prepared. I could have carved those times into times in the Word. And you don't have to be, you don't have to be obnoxious about it. There's so many different formats. You know, you don't have to bring out a big hunk of <sighs> that's on your phone. It's 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 everywhere, the word. Could have spent some time in prayer. Now I probably wouldn't have got down on my hands and knees and appealed to God Almighty in the middle of that hearing room because my clients would have probably been pretty nervous if I was doing that, right? This guy's praying to God that we'll win this case. (laughs) But I could have spent time in prayer. Are there times in the middle of your day that you can carve out space? You're home with kids. Do they take a nap? I know you're saying, well, that's when I take my nap. (laughs) Do they watch shows? You know, when they're eating, can you, what, at lunch or or when you're sitting down to eat, when you're eating a snack, is there any way that you could read the Bible? Maybe even read it out loud so your kids would hear the word. Man, that would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? Is there any space that you can carve out, any natural breaks that God can fill? Late prayer and scripture allows us to mentally consolidate God's presence and goodness. As I was preparing this week, I, I looked at the three things that happens in, in the learning process. And learning takes three things. It takes acquisition, that's getting the information. It takes consolidation and recall. And co- consolidation occurs while we sleep. In other words, those things that you've learned during the day, and teachers that are in here, you can, you can if I'm right, you can tell me later. If I'm wrong, just ignore me because I'm sick, Okay. Uh, I think I'm right those things that you've learned through the day your mind is processing and prioritizing them as you sleep so what's your bedtime habits what do you do last thing before you go to bed is it right if God convicts even pastors say amen it is You know, God's convicted me about this because I got to tell you, I love my iPad. These are the greatest things ever invented. You can watch TV on them. You can read books on them. You can surf the web on them. You can even preach a sermon on them. (laughs) You can use them for anything. And how often I've laid in bed and just flipped through the channels or flipped through the internet or just kind of killed time. You know what I saw this week is that these screens, though, affect your ability to sleep. So if you're looking at your, your pad at night, it's probably your tablet's probably affecting your ability to sleep. And so my routine is probably to watch a little TV and drift off to sleep. And I've wondered Is that really the most effective way to consolidate the thoughts of the day? (laughs) Can I share something with you? Fox News is not your nightly devotional. (laughs) I I know it seems like it might be. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes the news is the worst thing (laughs) to watch before you're going to sleep. It it only makes you more depressed and more scared. What if instead of drifting off to sleep to Huckabee, you're drifting off to sleep with the word of God and the promises of God. What if instead of drifting off to the latest sports score, and I understand that if, if Ohio State beats the Ducks on Monday night, drifting off to sleep with that score in your mind will be a psalm of praise. But instead of drifting off to sleep with the latest sports score, you drift off to sleep with the word of God. That that somehow, by looking at the word of God, that somehow the goodness, the graciousness, the presence of God becomes consolidated in your thinking patterns? What are your bedtime habits? Can can you alter them so that, that at the end of your day, in the beginning of the day, and sometime in the middle of your day, you're finding time for God's word and prayer? What's the goal? The goal is not the habits, but the goal is an awareness of the continual presence of God. That's why Paul gets to the point, pray continually. Wherever you go this week, God will be with you. He's omnipresent. Uh, It's a big word for God. It's everywhere, but you can pray wherever you find yourself. And God wants us to live in the awareness of that presence. But I struggle with the ideal of people practicing continual prayer if they never practice the habit of specific particular prayer. See, I think these particular habits create an awareness of God's continued and continual presence. In other words, it's in the habits that it becomes possible to live in the continual awareness Some of you are struggling where you're at. And there's habits and there's attitudes. And, and you've come to the altar, and you've let go of the habit, and you've come to the altar, and you've let go of the addiction, and you've come to the altar, and you've let go of the, at, the attitude, and, 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 and yet when you get into the nitty-gritty parts of your week, it once again rears its ugly head. And you say, God, I had that amazing experience at an altar. Why am I living in such defeat through the week? And it may be it's not another experience you need, but you need to establish a habit and a routine of prayer and Bible study in your day throughout your day. And these attitudes and these addictions and these habits and these routines that you want to break free of and this this feeling that you're just not living to the example and to the, the manner that God wants you to live, it's not going to happen in an experience, but it's going to happen in a habit that you commit to and day after day, week after week, you work seeking God until he can change the desires of your heart. Stand with me if you will. What would happen in you for life if you were to incorporate the habit of prayer and Scripture throughout your day? Let me ask you, what do you got to lose? Th- this week, if, you, if you're just saying, okay, Lord, this week, I- I'm going to put this to the test. This month, January, for the rest of the month, I'm just going to put this to the test and-, and just see what happens. What do you have to lose? You know, some of you have struggled with things and- and- for years. And, and and this may be. You know, this whole ideal of, of just seeking God multiple times through the day, maybe the answer you've been looking for. What do you have to lose? We're gonna pray, and then you're gonna be dismissed. Lord, right now, I pray that you'll help us to um to process this message. And Lord, if there's been parts of this message that's not pleasing to you or or not your will or not your thoughts, I I ask that you'll help us to forget it but Lord as you've spoken through this simple vessel I I pray that you'll help us remember give us a willingness Lord to try Uh, to, to try to listen to your spirit to try to do the things your spirit is calling us to do and Lord as you move may we be willing just to follow Lord I give you praise and I give you thanks for your word I give you praise and thanks for the ability, the invitation to pray. Help us, Lord, not to take it lightly. Help us not to take it for granted. And, Lord, most of all, help us to practice it. Now, Lord, be with us. Go with us. Anoint us with your presence. And, Lord, as we encounter others this week, may we demonstrate your glory. May we be salt and light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.